I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello, everyone. I am Molly Malshine, and welcome back to Diva Behavior, the podcast. So things have really escalated since our last episode, or de-escalated, I guess. In terms of going outside, things have de-escalated. I've been on lockdown for more than three weeks now. I don't know. I mean, time is a flat circle at this point. I have no idea how old I am or what year it is. And I think we're all pretty much in the same boat. Uh, I'm not really going to say too much about coronavirus because I'm not an epidemiologist or a doctor. I don't think I can really add much of value to the conversation, but I will say stay inside and wash your hands, especially if you happen to be my parents, please. But what I can talk about in a valuable way is diva behavior and celebrity culture. And this week's episode is all about Pretty Wild. This was a reality show on the E! Network. Do you guys remember it? It came out in 2010. It was about this family that was sort of framed as the Kardashians 2.0, but turned into such a Pandora's box of fame and crime and celebrity and people who want to become famous. It really is unreal the way this worked out. So E! produced this show and it's about these three sisters who are all trying to get famous except one of them is literally a child and another one of them is not even a sister of theirs. It was weird. It was like a supposed to be a Kardashians 2.0 kind of thing but when you sort of scratch the surface a little it was kind of it, it just kind of was like, what? Wait, what? Like, who are these people? Are they related? I don't know. Whatever. It was fun to watch, especially because in the middle of filming this show, the daughter who was sort of the face of the whole show, Alexis, she got arrested for being involved with the bling ring. So she would later go on to serve time in jail for her involvement with the robberies and if you don't know what the bling ring was this was a bunch of kids in their like late teens and early 20s who went around to all these celebrities houses and robbed them they robbed Paris Hilton's house they robbed Audrina Patridge's house it was really a wild story and Alexis was she says tangentially involved so the tv show caught all of this. I mean, it all happened right in the middle of them shooting. So you can see her on the phone with lawyers. You can see her on the phone with a Vanity Fair journalist screaming at her about what kind of shoes she was wearing to court. And it turns out the reason why they kind of allowed the cameras to follow her on this journey is because the family was broke the whole time. The whole time they were shooting, they were broke. The house they were staying in was rented by E. It was totally fake. It's crazy, and I learned all this from The Cut's Oral History of Pretty Wild, which was written by our guest this week, Ilana Kaplan. So Ilana, in honor of the 10-year anniversary of Pretty Wild, which as any good millennial, she's been counting down the days until this 10-year anniversary, she decided to interview Alexis along with Andrea Arlington, her mom, a bunch of the people involved in production, and she talked to all of them about what it was like making the show and what they're doing now. 
and all kinds of stuff. There are a lot of really interesting details in the oral history that she wrote for The Cut, and I highly recommend that everybody read it. And I think the, the thing that is most interesting to me about the bling ring and about Pretty Wild is the way that Alexis became the face of the bling ring, even though she really wasn't even that involved in it. I think it just really speaks to the way that we love to hate women who want to be famous and we love to hate women who admit that they care what they look like and what people think of them. I mean, it is a viral moment that will go down in history. The phone call between Alexis Nyers and Nancy Joe Sales from Vanity Fair where Alexis is screaming at her over the shoes that she wore to court. And part of it is like, yeah, it's a hilarious clip of reality TV. It's a hilarious pop cultural artifact of this girl screaming on the phone about the fact that she wore little BB kitten heels instead of six inch Louboutins. But you also kind of have to understand where Alexis is coming from. I mean, who knows, first of all, what shoes she actually wore to court, but it, it, it does matter what shoes she was wearing because the fact that she was wearing Louboutins, it makes people look at her in a negative light because like I said, we love to hate women who dare to care about things like designer shoes and, you know, looking good in court and and seeking fame and seeking money. And I think it's really interesting that even in her very drug-addled state at that time, which she has since come out and said that she was dealing with a really severe drug addiction during the shooting of the whole show. But I think it's really interesting that even in her drug-addled state, Alexis was like, fully aware that if people thought she wore Louboutins to court, they would judge her even more harshly than if she was wearing little baby kitten heels. And I think we all know where she was coming from. And you know, one thing that I've learned in all of my research into diva behavior as a concept and who gets called divas and why we call them divas, once you establish that a woman is a diva, once you establish that a woman cares about her appearance and is demanding and wants things her way, you can kind of convince the public that she's guilty of anything. You know, I think if if Alexis was more plain looking at the time, I think if she wasn't on a reality show trying to get famous, I think if she was wearing flat loafers to court, I think all of this would have reflected differently on her than the fact that she is a young woman who enjoys her appearance and wants to be famous. So she was certainly portrayed as a diva and a demanding person in the press, and it definitely did her no favors whatsoever. So it just kind of goes to show you the stigma that a diva accusation and a diva behavior allegation can bring to someone. I remember when Sofia Coppola's Bling Ring movie came out. I saw this interview with Emma Watson, who played a fictionized version of Alexis in the movie, which, by the way, Alexis and her mom were paid $100,000 for the film rights to their life. So at least they got something. They got a really hefty check out of that movie, which is good for them. But I saw this interview with Emma Watson where she's talking about Alexis and she says the character is everything that I felt really strongly against. She's superficial, materialistic, vain, amoral. I realized that I really hated her. How do you play someone that you hate? And I just think that's so messed up. Like, girl, what? You're playing this girl in a movie. Obviously, she was at a terrible time in her life and you're not like... 
you're not curing cancer either. Like, you're a friggin' actress. How can you get mad at someone else calling them superficial, materialistic, vain, and amoral, and you hate them when you've never met the person? And I don't know. It's just... I just really thought that was snobby and messed up, and it just further proves my point that the way Alexis sort of was painted at the time when she was famous, it just will follow her around for the rest of her life, and that's just kind of a bummer. I just can't stand when actors and actresses act like they're better than reality stars. Like, you basically serve the same purpose, I'm sorry. So anyway... My guest this week, as I mentioned, is Alana Kaplan. She's a great journalist. She she mostly does, like, music journalism, and she also does a lot of really great pop culture stuff, especially, like, throwback millennial stuff. She's so worth following on Twitter and Instagram. Her name is at Lonnie Caps, L-A-N-I-K-A-P-S. You can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Molly Molshine. And if you could rate and review Diva Behavior on Apple Podcasts, that would be so great. I mean, what else are you doing with your time? What else are any of us doing with our time? I would review it myself if I could, but I just don't think that would be ethical. So I'm just going to ask you guys to do it. Please do it and enjoy the episode. Some people think Diva's a bitch. I never said that. Diva Behavior. Diva Behavior, the podcast. I found it really interesting. The first time I ever saw a commercial for Pretty Wild, it was probably, I guess, 2009 or 2010. And it was right when the Kardashians were sort of becoming a pop culture juggernaut. And from the ads for Pretty Wild, it looked like Kardashians 2.0 because it was these three, like, partying, fun brunette sisters with their kooky mom and then when you watch the show, you were like, okay, one of them isn't a sister. One of them is like 10 and she can't party because she's literally a child. And they're actually just, they were so different. It was just so different from the Kardashians. Yeah. And I think that, I mean, when I talked to the creator, like the way he pitched the show was as a comedy and it was supposed to be this like really fun show. And after the pilot or like in the middle of the pilot, it, it turned into something serious when um, Alexis was arrested. Um, and that's when things really shifted. And, and I think the previews like show the intention of the show. And what a lot of people don't know is that Chelsea Handler actually was the producer. Like she, she was the one who was like signed off on it. But um from what I gathered from talking to people, like, after it became more serious, she really didn't want to be involved. I found that really interesting in your piece that that was why the show didn't go on was because Chelsea was like, I thought this was going to be like a fun, cute reality show and it turned into this horror show. And I thought it was crazy, not crazy, but interesting that she had the ability to just sort of nix it because I would have thought that E would have wanted to keep it going once it became this absolute real life kind of train wreck. Yeah. Like, but I think it was so many different factors. Like, I think that was one part of it, but I think at the time, like the girls were struggling. Like, I think 
I think Ale- like the Alexis and Tess like weren't in a place where they could continue it. Um, I think there are just a lot of reasons why it didn't continue. Right. Um, I yeah, I remember at the time thinking the thing that's really interesting is that you're watching this show and you're kind of like, yeah, these girls party a lot. They're kind of drinking. You would assume that maybe they're doing a little bit of drugs. And after Alexis got arrested because of the bling ring involvement and everything, a few years later, she basically was like, no, I was on like, I was on $10,000 worth of drugs a week. And it's kind of like, whoa, that really changes the whole, the, it just changes everything. Yeah, I mean, they definitely, they were going through their own struggles in the background. And I think that at the time, like 10 years ago, people were just like, wow, like watching this is so insane. Like, it's so entertaining. But like, looking back on it and knowing what was going on behind the scenes, it was really troubling. And like, the series was pretty exploited exploitative like if you think about it it just I I think like Alexis is she is really grateful that like the show forced her to confront her addictions um but I think at the time like looking back they were really young and and there was a lot the show is a reminder of of how things can go off the rails and and it's a reminder of them having to confront themselves yeah I think it it came across obviously as this party party fun interesting show and then as you chip away the layers it becomes more and more obvious what the issues were like in your piece the thing that I found most interesting that I had no idea about was that that wasn't their house yeah, I didn't know that either. And like, I mean, I guess maybe because I had I I don't know every like inner working of reality TV, but like, yeah, they rented a house for the show, but also like the family was struggling financially, and that's something that like everyone watching it I think was led to believe that they were well off, and that wasn't the case. And I guess again, that's like the magic of reality TV. Yeah, it's like when you read Holly Madison's memoir about, uh, <laughs> you know, the not the simple life. I'm having a brain fart. You oh, know, the um, play, Playboy the show. Play next Door. Girls, Girls Next, next door. door. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, in Holly Madison's memoir of Girls Next Door, she says how the whole the paint was chipping and the mansion looked like crap, the Playboy mansion. And, like, you know, when you look at the Kardashians, when they first started, they were not super loaded. But it's I guess it's just so easy when you – live in close proximity to LA and to Hollywood to kind of go along with like keep up appearances in that way when there's really, you know, there's a little man behind the curtain or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. I, I just, when I was watching that show for the first time as like a 20 year old, I was like, these girls have it all. And then I was reading um, something where they said, Alexis basically said we would shop at like TJ Maxx and Marshall's. Like we were not, we weren't poor, but we weren't like these rich, crazy Paris Hilton kind of girls. Yeah. I mean, it, it's just so crazy the way that E like framed things. Yeah. I mean, it, it makes you like I 
I'm curious for the day that we'll really get a behind the scenes look at keeping up with the Kardashians. Oh yeah. I can't wait for that to happen. I hope maybe Courtney will go rogue and write her <laughs> memoir, but I don't think she cares enough. <laughs> I know. <laughs> Love her. Yeah. So I guess it's also it, at the time, not only was reality TV kind of booming and becoming the new big genre of entertainment, I think the the writer's strike was around that time, too, which only helped reality TV get bigger and bigger because scripted shows were not able to create new episodes. But you had while reality TV was getting big, there was this culture of, you know, quote unquote, women behaving badly, but really just women being humans where you had Mm -hmm. Kim's sex tape, Paris's sex tape. So it seemed like this sort of immorality, which I don't think it's immoral to have a sex tape, but most of America did at the time and still does. But this concept of immorality and reality TV was getting closer and closer together. And then you have this girl on this new reality show getting caught stealing from celebrities. And I think that there was so much context that at the time people weren't aware of because if you were just watching the show, you kind of just saw bits and pieces. But I think that, again, like, if you're thinking about, like, shows including, like, Teen Mom or um, trying to think of some other ones at that time that were, like, pretty exploitative. Teen Mom was such a big one, yeah. 16 and Pregnant. 16 and Pregnant and, like, um, like, Beauty and the Geek, if you remember that one. Like, there were all these shows that were just taking advantage of people, and I do in some ways think that that happened with with them. I also think the timing was bad. I think they probably shouldn't have been on a reality TV show to begin with because they had their own issues going on. But, like, at the same time, the reality TV show forced them to get the help they needed, and mm-hmm. they're thriving. Yeah, I think Alexis in particular is the perfect the, the perfect type of person that Americans and probably most cultures but I'm American so that's how what I would say but want to be want to have as a villain you know she's young she's pretty she's not trying to really like go to college <laughs> she just wants to be in playboy she wants to be in music videos like this is the kind of person who most people are primed to hate So I think for her to be on a reality show is already people, you know, the producers are, they're not putting her on this show because they think she's going to get a Nobel Peace Prize. They're putting her on the show because they think people are going to kind of hate watch it, you know, Mm -hmm. and then add that with the court case going on. It's just such a perfect storm for her to become this sort of villain figure. And I feel like with the bling ring itself. You know, she maintains that she played a very, very small role in it. She says in your piece that she just was drunk and ended up in someone's house holding a bag, basically, right? I um, I don't want to get this wrong. Give me a second. So I know she's and I know she did 30 days in prison, but I guess my point is just that she she didn't have a huge role in it, but based on anyone you ask, they would, anyone would think she was the ringleader because she just was so visible. It was just because she was on that show. Like, yeah, it, it just got, because of that visibility, it just made her the scapegoat. I would say 
um, and the scapegoat on all fronts. And I think it, what you were saying about her being like this perfect villain, like she, if you rewatch it now, I feel like I watch it with much more like empathetic lens. Like you just see someone who's a teenager living like who ended up hanging out with the wrong crowd potentially and ended up just like making choices that had had consequences and and just struggling and that's kind of what I see I don't see her as a villain um and I think at the time it was like that culture like you were saying of like when it came to like Paris or Kim's sex tapes like they were kind of villainized and like now it's like I don't I it's it's so awful it's revenge porn it's it's and it and it and I feel like all of those things together you just have more empathy now looking back because I think our culture has evolved in a way that we can see beyond um the way that I guess, like, history existed at that point in time. Yeah, it was just, I think it was an interesting collision of reality TV wanting to show people as they really are and the general public not being ready to accept that, particularly in women. Because, you know, the ringleader of the bling ring was a guy, pretty much, and no one even... I can't even picture him in my head. I don't even know his name only because I've been reading articles about it all day. I remember his name, but like nobody cares about the guy who did it. Nobody cares about the guy whose idea it was. People want to be pissed at the girl who wanted to be a Playboy model because it's just people have more fun tearing that kind of person down, I guess. You know what's funny? And I think yesterday or the day before, Alexis actually like while we're in quarantine gave – redid her voicemail call with Nancy Joe like live um as a joke and what I love about Alexis is that she is really authentic to who she is and like can laugh can kind of poke fun at herself and and is in on the joke and um I I love that she does that and she she knows that people she's she's a part of like a cultural touchstone in a way even if it was a really difficult time for her. I think she still, she still has a lot of like empathy for the girl that she was at that time. Yeah. It's, you have to be really secure in yourself to be able to laugh at that moment, no matter what side of it you were on and to kind of not just like hide from it and pretend it didn't happen. Yeah. I mean, I think I think it's really admirable for like she's worked really I will say she's worked really hard to get to a place where she can help other people in recovery. She's a doula now. Um she's a mom and she's she's like a beautiful family according to Instagram and when I talk <laughs> to her like I I think that she has really done some great work and like addiction is a disease and she's really really she should be really proud of herself from where she's she's gotten to now 
Yeah. Can you give us any insights into her or any of the other people you interviewed? Maybe like their personalities or just like a fun anecdote from the reporting of this story that maybe didn't make it in? Um, I think I would say one of the I would say Andrea, their mom, was one of the most interesting people to interview because she kind of just said whatever was on her mind and she had a different perspective. Like she was obviously like their, their mother at the time. Um, and she had a different perspective than them. So I, I think she had like a very good, like 360 point of view, um, that maybe like Alexis and Gabby didn't. Gabby was really young at the time. Um, and I like Gabby told me like she dealt with like some like bullying at the time when it came to the show. Like she, I think she, someone she was dating at the time, she went to their house and like the, her boyfriend's like mother would put on the show and just like make fun of her and her family. Um, and like, she'd just have to sit there and like deal with it. Um, which was really sad. Um, yeah, what a crappy person. Yeah, like, but they're all, I mean, like, they're all seemingly doing really well now. Tess didn't decline to talk to me, um, which was a bummer because I thought she would be a really great interview for this. But I also understand, like, that uh, I think, like, there's a lot of, like, trauma from that time. Yeah, for uh-huh. sure. So... Um, what was it that Andrea said? Like, was there any specific thing that Andrea, the mom, said to you that really made you be like, wow, maybe this lady was, like, different from the way she was portrayed on TV? Um, I wouldn't say, uh, I wouldn't say different. I just feel like she was definitely more extreme than she was on TV. And she just spoke her mind a lot more. I wish I had more specifics. I'm trying to think. Wow, that's cool. But like talking, she was really open. I was, she talked a lot about their um, religious science beliefs. And um, that was really interesting because they felt like it wasn't fully explained on the show. So like getting more insight into that was cool. Um, yeah, I liked how you put you kept in there her explanation of why their big um, mantra or affirmation was and so it is because yeah. that was something that everyone made fun of so much because they would just stand there and like join hands and say and so it is and everyone was like that doesn't friggin mean anything. But then in your piece she explains that it's derived from the meaning of amen. Which is like, okay, that does mean something. Yeah, and I mean, I understand, like, having an affirmation. Like, when you create an affirmation, you're creating it for yourself and, like, setting an intention. So, like, now as an adult, like, I understand, like, the context and the purpose of it. And, like, obviously, that's it meant something to them and it helped them get, meet their goals. yeah. Yeah, it. I didn't know what the secret was at the time, and I guess I didn't really notice how just how crazy it was how they were sort of basing their entire homeschooling on the secret. Can you explain a little bit what the secret is? 
So the secret is kind of like the idea of the power of positive thinking. I'm going to give a personal anecdote here and say that I thought the secret was ridiculous. And then I was going through a really tough time and a friend of mine literally bought me the book and told me to just, she was like, you don't have to read the whole thing, but just read bits and pieces of it. And it was just basically about changing the, changing your like negative thoughts and beliefs and, and turning them into something more positive. Like if you think you will, if you believe and think you will be a millionaire, you can be a millionaire. And like, as silly as that sounds, like maybe just from this reading this like book, it, it wasn't for me, it wasn't even about like money or anything. It just reading these chapters and like considering the way that I was thinking about things and like my thought patterns, I started to think and be more positive. And so I understand like that that's kind of what the purpose of the secret is. Yeah. Yeah. That's like what they do in cognitive behavioral therapy. Like yeah. it's, not, it's not like fake, you know, no, it's a little it's, goofy to base your entire homeschooling around it, but it's, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I, think bad, it, I guess. Well, it actually like beyond the secret, it was like their religious science that, was like part of their homeschooling so it's kind of a mixture of the two um I feel like I fully don't understand it still just because like they weren't technically being homeschooled but they were being homeschooled on the show like it was just weird but but like their belief system was that like yeah I feel like it was pretty it was a pretty universal like religious science also, like, they're from California, so they get a little bit of a pass on stuff like that. <laughs> totally. And, like, honestly, whatever works for you. Yeah. I I remember when I watched it and when I rewatched it about a year or two ago, being so fascinated by their personal brand, which is not how we talked about it at the time. But they had the craziest personal brand. Like they were so hippie-ish and they had, they had like crystals pretty early, right? Did they have crystals or did I make that up in my head? I I think at their house they did. And then um, like Andrea also had like a mask that was for anxiety. Yes. The mask. You had a great screenshot in your piece of the mask, that light up mask that helps you with anxiety and all that other stuff. But then at the same time, so they had all this hippie, hippie stuff. Then at the same time, there's the notorious moment, girls, it's time for your Adderall, which usually when you talk to like California hippie people, they're very anti Adderall or other, you know, pharmaceuticals that alter your mood. And then at the same time, you had the mom shooting Tess, her sort of unofficially adopted daughter, topless in the shower for her Playboy uh, audition or whatever. Yeah. So I was like, wow, these are three three things that me as like a suburban New Jersey person <laughs> am not familiar with whatsoever. Like these people are from another freaking planet. Yeah, I mean, I think that's what's so interesting about it is like they were just a really interesting family or group of people. Um, yeah, they I were think- doing their own thing. They were just like, this is what we're doing. It's not hurting anyone. So we're doing it. Yeah. And I think that, I mean, from 
what I taught, I heard that Adderall line was just kind of like, I think like maybe it was said once and then the producers wanted them to say it again and again. Mm -hmm. So like, or like they, the producers wanted them to say it. So it wasn't actually like they tried to, the show tried to make it a thing. Yeah. It was a pretty great thing. It was so funny. And then it made it into the bling ring with, um, Leslie Mann saying it in the trailer. I, yeah, I liked in your piece when there was sort of this dispute about whether the producers hid the dog from them. Yeah. What's your verdict on that? There, so for the people, for the listeners there, (laughs) there was this episode where Tess and Alexis's dog goes missing and they searched the neighborhood for the dog for seemingly hours. Who knows how long it actually went on, but it was edited to look like it took hours. And then they finally find her and they're really distraught over it and so upset. But they assert in the piece that Alana wrote that the producers hid the dog and kind of were emotionally torturing them. And the producers are like, well, the dog came into the production tent and we just let it stay there kind of thing. So what, what do you think? What did you make of that? Um, I think that the, I don't think they, I think they, um, it came into the tent and they held it for a long time for, for a bit. I don't think it was like dry. I don't know how long it was cause it wasn't there, but, um, I definitely think like production probably took advantage of that. And that's kind of what they, they were like, it wandered in here. They were looking for it. I am sure like, obviously like if you lose your pet, like a minute can feel like an hour. So I like time wise, like I'm not sure, like I have no idea, but I definitely think production probably like. Milked it a little. Yeah. Like, because that's like prime, that's a prime thing a reality TV show would producer would do, you know? Yeah. Like losing a dog or finding a dog. That's like when they are starting to run out of ideas, it's kind of like, Let's do something with a dog. I wonder what the show would have been about if they if the lawsuit never happened. Yeah, I mean, I think like like the path to fame would have been different. Um, I think that it would have been more focused on the girls like modeling career. But I also and this is something I think Alexis and I were talking about. Um like would they have gotten sober so would they have gotten sober at all would have would they have done that um would they not have done that till later on like I I I mean the way that Alexis and and Andrea talk about it is like it was kind of a blessing that the show happened so they could like get their lives on track but Mm -hmm. I think the show if none of the the um, arrests, uh, none of the bling ring stuff happened. I think the show, it would still be about, it would have been about chasing fame. And I think it might have gotten greenlit for another season or two, in mm-hmm. my opinion. But um, obviously that wasn't the case. So, yeah, I feel like they took kind of a weird approach with sort of deliberately setting it up to be Kardashians 2.0 just from the promotional materials and everything. And then when you watched it, it wasn't actually that. So that's why I'm curious about what, like how people would have reacted or continued to react because 
it just was sort of Kardashian's light without really that different of an approach. I don't know. I'm honestly not sure. Like, I think people would have enjoyed it, but it might have um, been like that show, the Gastineau show, like where yeah. it only lasted for a little bit and then like teetered off. Like, I don't think, I don't know if it would have been like a long running reality TV series. Yeah, like but a I smash think, hit. Yeah, I mean, I I think that like what was supposed to happen happened. Yeah. So you watched it when it first aired, right? Yeah. So what did you think of it? I mean, I really enjoyed it. I've always been into, like, L.A. reality TV. Like, teens trying to party and, like, also dating hot guys that are, like, musicians. Like, that was... Ryan Cabrera. Ryan Cabrera, (laughs) who's on every single reality TV show. Like, I loved the hills and the and Laguna Beach, and I felt like it had that vibe to some degree with the dating and stuff. So it just, it, like, just hit all of the things I enjoyed. And I think I was, I was in college at the time. Yeah, I was in college. At the, we were in college at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I felt like I didn't fully, like, grasp like everything that was going on I just like looked at the enjoyable parts of it and like didn't think of it in a and and I think that was like the way that our culture was was also thinking it wasn't as conscious as it is now to some degree so I think I was just like wow this is like escapist for me yeah it just was fun to see someone who was kind (laughs) of around our age living such a different life and kind of seeming like they were they had things together a little bit more which looking back on is crazy that I personally thought that like I was like oh well they're on a Mickey Avalon video set so like obviously they're killing it in life and now look back on that it's like oh no not really yeah it's it's interesting like I mean in something that wasn't in the piece for us we did talk about Ryan Cabrera that was something I would have wanted to talk with Tess about since Tess was the one who went on the dates with Ryan Cabrera. But just basically that, like, he, like, I think it was, like, kind of set up for the show. Like, they kind of knew each other and they thought it would be, like, a good plot line is what I gathered. Um, but oh, yeah, I always wonder how stuff like that happens. I know. Ryan. Ryan's literally, he was on the new season of The Hills. Like, he, he was? Yeah, uh, he's he was like kind of hanging out with Audrina again. What? That's crazy. You know, I kind of love that Ryan Cabrera is still, still, um, making the, securing the bag. As yeah, they he's definitely got the hardest working publicist in town. Truly. And that's crazy that he went out with Audrina and he went out with Tess because. Audrina's house was robbed by the bling ring. Oh, yeah. I forgot about that. What a weird connection. So if Pretty Wild came out today, what do you think would be different? Like, how do you think people would have received it versus in 2010 when it came out? Come out? I think that it would have been, I think people, more people would have been alarmed by it. I think that, like I said before, I think we would have, just looked at 
everybody in a more empathetic light and like seeing there was more going on that was serious behind the scenes. Um, and I think we wouldn't have just taken that at face value. I think like now knowing now that reality TV has been around so long, it's you can pinpoint what's when a show is like really exploitative. <laughs> like yeah. I feel like it used to be a way worse, I think, and I think it's gotten a bit better. I mean, sure, I'm sure like The Bachelor is still like crazy behind the scenes if you see it on real, like Yeah. But it seems even in the UK, like with Love Island, there's a huge conversation that goes on at the same time every time it airs about whether what they're doing is me- messed up or not. Yeah. I mean, I, I feel like that's like a reality TV is weird. And I feel like like I love Love is Blind. And like, I'm sure there was so much production that went into that, too. Like, but I don't think Alexis would have been seen as a villain. I don't think the girl like I feel like there were there would just be so much more empathy around the people on the show um, and awareness around mental health and drug addiction yeah. and everything. Cause now even on real housewives of New York, <laughs> I think is probably the best example of a show where they openly talk about the cast members, alcohol use and maybe not drug mm-hmm. use, but they're, they're acknowledging at least that people are, maybe drinking a little too much, maybe not. So, like, maybe if Pretty Wild came out today, that would be part of the plot line. Like, they would talk about, I don't know. I honestly think it would be a different kind of show. I think, and it's hard to think about because I know the girls are just, like, all in different places. They're all, like, having kids or have kids, and um, they've just, like, totally turned their lives around. So it's, like... yeah. Also, they probably wouldn't be trying to get into Playboy. They'd probably be trying to go TikTok, become TikTok famous or yes. something. <laughs> oh, my God. I, I'm i like, I feel like I'm so behind on, like, knowing what's going on with TikTok. Like, I just, social media is, like, there's just too much of it for me at this point. It's moving point. too fast. Moving I too tried- fast. Yeah, I tried to learn how to make a TikTok last week. And then I was like, what am I doing? This can't happen. I just can't do it. Like, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Well, I missed 2010 in some ways. In other ways, not. Like, I loved your piece. It made me feel so nostalgic for that era. But I'm also really happy about how far we've come with talking about drug addiction (laughs) and mental health and you know, treating women like humans and stuff like that. So thank you for writing the piece. It was so great. Thank you for having me on Diva Behavior. Some people think Diva's a bitch. I never said that. Diva Behavior. Great gowns, beautiful gowns. Of course, I don't trust you. Diva Behavior, the podcast. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.